Thank you so much, Brother Donnie. I know that for some of you that have been here for a long time to hear Brother Hollis, probably sounds like Brother Don to hear Brother Hollis, but uh, Brother Donnie Hollis, thankful he's with us. Um, thank you for leading us. This is, it's especially, I'm especially thankful that he's willing to do this. Um, many of y'all don't have quite the same um, setting as he and I do, but on a Sunday when you're going to be off and with your family and uh, be able to go and sit in a worship service and not have to lead anything and not have to be in charge of anything and just sit and worship the Lord, uh, that's those are rare, but they're very special occasions. I appreciate when I get to do that. Uh, and Donnie would have had that today, but he was willing to step in and to lead us in worship this morning. So, brother, thank you so much for that. Met him for the first time. Uh, just a quick word for those of you that haven't seen uh, Donnie in several years. Uh, the first time I met him was a somber occasion. It was actually at his grandmother's funeral. Uh, but I want you to know that not only can he play and sing, uh, but that he can preach as well. He preached the gospel very clearly and very well. I was very impressed the first time I met him as he preached his grandmother's funeral. So, Donnie, thank you for all the work you do in North Carolina and here with us today as well. Revelation chapter 5, if you would join me there this morning. We're not looking at a psalm of thanksgiving as we have been the past, past few weeks as we often do during November this morning. We're going to look at something a little bit different and as he's saying that our, our only hope is in Jesus. This morning we're going to see that maybe in a different way than you've realized before. We're going to see this morning another reason that Jesus is our only hope. He's our only hope of forgiveness. He's our only hope of eternity. He's our only hope of uh, reconciliation with God. This morning we're going to see that He is our only hope that the end of time will ever come, uh, which is a big deal for those of us that pray sometimes, come Lord Jesus come. So in Revelation, I'm going to give you a little bit of background here, not as much as I would like, but I pray the Lord will make this sufficient for this morning. But in Revelation, if you're not familiar with the book of Revelation, this is John, the Apostle John later in life. He, the Lord gives him a vision. It's This book is the vision the Lord gives him. He gives him several things in it. He gives him some letters to write to churches, to seven specific churches, which is how the book begins. It's who this book is addressed to. But then he also gives him visions of things that are to come in the future. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning is specifically uh, what it says in chapter 4, verse 1, what must take place after this. John is called to look through a door into heaven and to be given by God. And now, if any of you are here this morning and you are not churchgoers and you are not Christians, this probably sounds really, really strange to you. But we believe that this absolutely happened and that God absolutely gave John this vision so that he could give to us what is going to happen in the future. And so that's what we're looking at this morning. John goes and he looks into heaven, into the future, and God shows him what's going to take place. When he looks through chapter 4, we see him. He sees the throne of God. He sees the, the people and the creatures around the throne of God, worshiping God around his throne, praising God for who he is. And then as he sees this vision of God seated on the throne and all these creatures praising him, that's where we're going to pick up in chapter 5, verse 1 this morning. 
John says, Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, that's God, as I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. So I want to stop here for a moment as we kind of see the setting here and get us all fixed. What are we looking at here? So John, as he's he's looking into heaven, into the future, God is seated on the throne and God is holding in his hand this scroll, the scroll of, of great significance. Robert Mounts, in his commentary, I love this, uh, he refers to this as the scroll of destiny. And uh, it just makes it sound a lot neater to me to not say the scroll, but to say the scroll of destiny. So as God is holding the scroll of destiny, it has seven seals on it. And if you're familiar with the book of Revelation at all, if you studied it at any point in time, you're probably somewhat familiar with the seals. These are the seals that it talks about that are broken from chapter 6 on. We see these seals that are open, and each time one of the seals is broken, a little bit more of the culmination of the end of history happens. So John understands this. John knows what's going on. God is holding this scroll and we need the scroll to be opened because as the scroll is opened, the things that we hope and pray will eventually come, come. It gets to the point where we move through all of human history and judgment comes and all evil and all sin that is not covered by the blood of Jesus is put in its place and punished. Satan is punished. The wrath of God comes against all evil, right? The, the new heaven and the new earth come. The end of time comes. The judgment when we are going to be uh, glorified. All of those things take place when the scroll is opened. So this scroll is a big deal. And we really want this scroll to be open. And John really wants this scroll to be open. Which is why when there's a mighty angel who calls out and says, Is there anybody, any Body anywhere that's able to open this scroll in verse 2 says who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals and verse 3 one says nobody in heaven nobody on earth nobody under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it and when that happens we see John begin weeping loudly we would call this an ugly cry John is devastated Because he's seeing into the future, and in the future he sees the scroll that if this scroll is opened, right, all of those things are coming. The new new heaven and new earth are coming. Jesus is coming to receive all of his people. We're going to heaven to live with him forever, and sin and evil and wicked are all going to be punished, and we're never going to deal with sin ever again. Those things are happening if this scroll is opened. So when they say, no, there's nobody. We've got the scroll here, but there's nobody that can open it. John is devastated and he begins to cry and he begins to weep loudly as he says and so then the question is is that where it ends if there's nobody that can open the scroll and the scroll has to be open for things to move forward does it just end well of course not because the book continues we know so look with me in verse 5 and see who it is that is worthy to open the scroll verse 5 says and one of the elders said to me weep 
no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Now here, you may not understand exactly what this elder say. Because he uses language that's not that familiar to us. When he starts talking about the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. If somebody comes up to you, comes up to you on the street and talks about the root of David, you may not know he's talking about. The stump of Jesse, you may not know exactly who he's talking about. But, but believe me, you, John would have. John would have, whenever this elder says to John, Hey man, whoa, there's no reason to cry. Y'all ever said that to somebody? There's no reason to cry. It's okay. He says, look, don't cry. There is somebody that can open the scroll, who can break the seals, who can bring about the end of history, that can bring about the judgment. There is somebody that can do that. And he says, who, he would ask, who is it? And the answer is, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. And what he's doing there is he is referring to Jesus. Jesus is the one that is worthy to have the authority to open the scroll to bring about the end of human history. And that's point one this morning. Point one, Jesus is worthy of all authority. There is no authority that we would see that would be above this. The authority to bring about the end of human history. The authority to bring about the salvation of all those that have been forgiven by Jesus' blood. The authority to bring about judgment on all evil and sin. The the authority to bring about the new heaven and the new earth. So Jesus is worthy. That's what the angel asked. The angel said, who is worthy? And the elder here says, Jesus is worthy. John, who... You got to think, John's Bible, when he was alive, John's Bible was the Old Testament, right? They didn't have the New Testament. John helped write the New Testament. So in the Old Testament, don't look at it now because you're bored, but look at this later. But Genesis 49 and Isaiah 11, if you want to write that down, Genesis 49 and Isaiah 11 are what these are references to, the Lion of the tribe of Judah and the Root of David. John would have known those well. John, the the Apostle John, who in his gospel quoted Isaiah many times, used themes from Isaiah many times, many scholars tie John and Isaiah together very closely because of how much John loved Isaiah. So whenever somebody gives a reference to something out of Isaiah, it's not slipping by John. He knows exactly who this is. And I want you to think about this for just a moment A big thing in apocalyptic scripture, which the book of Revelation is, is is symbolism and imagery. And so I want you to just have this in your mind for a moment. This isn't just some man that's looking into heaven and into the future. We're talking about John. The apostle John refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Who was at the crucifixion when Jesus gave his life who is now living on an island by himself, exiled, and all of a sudden he hears somebody say, you're about to see Jesus. Right? This man says, there is somebody here who can open that scroll and gives reference to Jesus. And so John here, I can't imagine his excitement as he knows that he is about to once again see his Lord and Savior. And in verse 6 he does. It says, And between the throne and the four living creatures, and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, 
sent out into all the earth. Now, doesn't that sound strange? Because when we think about Jesus in heaven, we think about glory and honor and, and majesty, and we think about all these things. We don't think about him standing there looking like a lamb that's been slain, looking like a dead lamb. But I don't imagine that this caught John too much off guard because, again, John saw the crucifixion. He saw Jesus give his life. And now, again, there's a lot of symbolism, so I don't know if this is exactly what Jesus looks like in heaven or if this is just a reminder to us. But I do know that it is a reminder to us. Why is it that Jesus is worthy of all authority? What is it that Jesus has done that makes him more worthy than anyone else? What is it? Why is he the only one that can open the scroll? And point two is that Jesus is worthy because of his atoning death. You see, Jesus is the only one that has ever left heaven, left the glory and the, the promise of heaven and came to earth as a human being and lived a perfect life, never committing a single sin, not deserving any punishment, but at the same time going to the cross and taking all of the punishment for all of the sins of all of the saints that have ever become His. He's the only one that has ever left heaven and come here and lived the perfect life, but still took the wrath of God for the sins of every believer that's ever going to make it to heaven. Jesus did that, and so Jesus is worthy. And why is Jesus worthy? Because Jesus is the atoning sacrifice. Jesus is the one who died in your place and my place. And that's what makes Jesus unqualified, unequally worthy above everyone and anything else. And that's what we see here. When John looks, they say, this is the one that's worthy. The lion of the tribe of Judah. And you think you're going to look and see this majestic one looking like a strong lion. And the, the, the root of David. And so you might look and see one that looks like a king. But when he looks, he sees one who died. Because Jesus is worthy because he died. And he died for you and he died for me. He died for our sins. So that we would be saved. So that when we came to the point of confessing faith in Him and calling on Him to be Lord and Savior, we would be His forever. We would be united with Him. Our sins would be forgiven. We would be promised heaven. We would be reconciled with God. As Brother Donnie said over and over today, not because of what we've done, but because of what He has done. So Jesus is worthy. He's unequally worthy above everyone else because He's the only one that's ever done that. He's the only one that makes the gospel true. So then look at verses 7 through 10, which reiterate the same point. And he went, he's talking about Jesus here, and he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. So here we see Jesus proves that he's worthy. Not only do they say he's worthy, he proves he's worthy because he walks over to the throne of God and he takes the scroll. God gives the scroll to him. He proves that he's worthy. And then there's all of this worship. 
the, the creatures and the elders, they fall down before Jesus and they start praising Him. And all this symbolic uh, picture that we see of them praising Him. But then in the song that they sing, they reiterate why He's worthy. They reiterate that He is worthy. Look in verse 9. They sing the new song. What does the song sound like? I don't know. I know the words of it. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. That's the point we've already made. But then they say, why? For or because. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seal. For you were slain. And by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe, language, people, nation, and have made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Again, why is he worthy? He's worthy because he died in our place. I can't say that enough. I know it sounds like I've got my notes. I know it sounds like I'm going to say that a lot of times today, but brothers and sisters, I cannot reiterate enough why Jesus is worthy or how worthy Jesus is. Now, the first time I ever heard this text preached, I was at a conference, and David Platt, many of you know who David Platt is. David Platt was preaching this text, and he really, really spent a lot of time on who it is that Jesus purchased salvation for. There, in, in this new song that was saying where he said, You ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And it really stood out to me because what he reminded us of in this text is that when John is looking there around the throne and when he's hearing who it is that Jesus has purchased, he says people from all nations, all languages, all tribes. So we're talking about, as we sing, red and yellow, black and white, right? He, in heaven, he, you can tell that there are Spanish-speaking people and Russian-speaking people and Chinese people and people that speak Swahili and there are poor people and there are rich people. There are men, there are women, right? The list goes on and on and on. And I don't think it's the main point of this text, but I do think it's a great reminder to us of what the church looks like. Not necessarily what this church looks like, but what the church looks like. It's a good reminder to us that it's not all about us. It's all about Jesus and that His glory goes throughout all the earth. That He's commissioned us to take His glory throughout all the earth. But the question that you might ask... Well, Zach, if that's not the main point, what is the main point? What's the main point of this text? It's the last thing I want to give you. I want to finish with this. What is the main point of this text? And I have a specific pastor friend who tells me that this is not a good point because it's too long. I put it in your bulletins so you wouldn't have to write it down. Point three. The main point, what I believe the main point of this text is. Jesus is worthy of all power, wealth, wisdom, might, honor, glory, and blessing. But since I put that in the bulletin, I added to it. If y'all want to write this as well. Jesus is worthy of all power, wealth, wisdom, might, honor, glory, and blessing because He is the perfect one that purchased our freedom by His blood. I want you to know that He's worthy. Hear this this vision of God wants you to know that He is worthy. But I also want you to know why He is worthy. That's highlighted in this text several times. Because He is the perfect one that purchased our freedom by His own blood. The text says it. The text is slathered with this. Verse 2 the angel asks, who is worthy? In verse 4 John weeps loudly because no one was found who was worthy. 
In verse 5, he's told to quit crying because Jesus is worthy to open the scroll. In verse 7, Jesus proves he's worthy by going and taking the scroll. In verse 9, they sing the song and they start, Worthy are you. And then they tell us why he's worthy. For you were slain. And then the rest of the text, look in verse 11. Reiterates the same point. It says, Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. There it is again. To receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Y'all wondered why I came up with all those things. Verse 13, And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne, that's God, and to the Lamb, that's Jesus. To God and Jesus be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Brothers and sisters, this text makes more clear than anything else that Jesus is worthy. He's worthy of everything. Everything that we have. Everything that we are. The things it lists are power, wealth, wisdom, might, honor, glory, blessing, blessing, honor, glory, might, forever and ever. Everything you have, everything you will ever have, everything you are, Jesus is worthy of it. So I want to ask you this question as I close today. When I say the word worthy... Should I ask this before? Because now when I say the word worthy, you think about this text probably. I pray that's true. When I say the word worthy, what comes to mind? Think about some financial institution. Do you think about a paycheck that you earned? Or do you think about Jesus? When I say the word, the name Jesus, what comes to mind? Because I pray it's the word worthy. I pray that when I say worthy, you think Jesus. And when I say Jesus, you think worthy. But here's the truth that I want us to be reminded of today. That a lot of our lives don't seem to reflect that. We say here this morning, we hear this text, we sing these songs and we say Jesus is worthy. But I'm afraid that way too many of us have way too low a view of Jesus. I don't think any of us are at risk for thinking too much about Jesus and how worthy he is. Why would I say that? Well, because I look at things. I look at the way we live our lives. I look at the conversations that we have with friends and the conversations that we have with strangers. I look at the things that we post on social media. I look at the way that we're raising our kids. I look at the way we use our finances. And I look at the way that we spend our free time. And all of those things do not scream to me that we think too much of Jesus. They say very often that we think way too little of Jesus. Sometimes the way we do church, sometimes the way we teach about the Bible while we're in church, all say we don't think enough about Jesus. We don't know how worthy Jesus is. So I think if we did, I think if we understood what these living creatures and what these elders and what these myriad and myriad of angels understood about Jesus, that all those things I mentioned would look different. The way we live, the way we talk, the way we spend time and money, everything we do would look 
different because Jesus is uniquely worthy of absolutely everything that we have. This text reminds us of that. So this morning, I want us to think about that. This morning we're going to do something a little bit different. Our, our song of response this morning is going to be one that some of you may have heard and some of you may not have heard. Brother Donnie's going to come back and he's going to lead us. And the name of the song is actually a question. And the name of the song is, Is He Worthy? And I pray that we know the answer to that now. I pray that we know that, yes, He is worthy. But this morning, I want you to think for a moment about your life. And does your life reiterate what your mind is saying this morning, that Jesus is worthy? Are there parts of your life that you need to give over to Him? Are there things that you have held back and protected that you need to give over to Him? I believe this text is calling you to do that. Without Him, we have no hope. That's what it says. Without Jesus, we're John in verse 4, weeping loudly because we have no hope. But with Jesus, we are the kingdom and priests that we see in verse 9 and 10. We are the ransomed that are forgiven with Jesus. So this morning I want you to stand. Brother Donnie is going to lead us, and as he sings the song, this is the way this song goes. He is going to sing a part, and then the part that you see in uh, parentheses, we are going to sing in response to what he's singing. Leanna is going to lead us in that. So if you would, this morning, let's sing Brother Donnie and Miss Leanna as they lead us. And if you need to pray, and if you need to make something clear. If you have questions about coming to know Jesus, come and ask those this morning as we celebrate by this song. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. Do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made new? We do. Is all creation groaning? Is a new creation coming? It is. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? Is. Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? Is. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seals and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave. He is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Of all blessing, honor, and glory, is He worthy 
Father truly love us. He does. Does the Spirit move among us? He does. And does Jesus, our Messiah, hold forever those He loves? He does. Does our God intend to dwell again with us? to break the seals and open the scroll the lion of Judah who conquered the grave he is David's root and the lamb who died to ransom the slave from every people and tribe from every nation and tongue he has made us a kingdom and God to reign with his son is he worthy is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory is he worthy is he worthy is he worthy of seated for just a moment.